Okay, welcome to our Fate of Midgard game, Stranded in the Southlands. I am your Game Master Porter, and we have a full house tonight. Uh, Tiffany, go ahead and introduce your character. Uh, I play Mira Barkridge. She is a well-meaning, eccentric, earthen enchantress. Her other aspects are horticulture for hire, herbalist hobbyist. She is the caretaker of the figs. Now you get the thorns. And her two gear aspects are the negative energy ward and the staff of summer flame. All right, Aaron, introduce us to your character. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I play Eleanor Westergaard. She is a beguiling magical slayer who has venom in her veins. Her other aspects are fantastical facades, the Westergaard family business, and lady on a mission. Her gear aspects are the negative energy ward and her fancy whip. And Brendan, bring us home. Yeah, hello. My name is Brendan, and I will be playing Yolok, our slippery kobold treasure hunter. Uh, his trouble aspect is that getting in is no problem. Getting out, on the other hand, uh, Yolok is beneath notice, uh, and recently acquired a new aspect, which is that he is in the void with Mesh Kennet. Yolok has complete dedication to the mistresses, Eleanor and Mira, and he's equipped with his masterwork thieves tools, his Marodi stiletto, and he is driven by the King Killer. All right, so Brendan, Yolok was pretty central to what happened last time. How about you give us a bit of a recap of what happened? All right. Well, uh, I believe this is my first time offering the recap, so uh, I'll do my absolute best here. Uh, but as I recall, last time that we met, we were uh, in the house of Thethra. Uh, we had just completed our daring rescue of Tomlin, uh, where, wherein Mesh Kennet was slain. Uh, Yolok was communing with beings in the void. Uh, Eleonora was turning into a vampire. And Mira was taking uh, potions left, right, and center. Uh, eventually, we escaped, got to Thetra's house, and uh, Tomlin, having been rescued, was uh, scurried away and began his treatment from Thetra uh, to begin recovery. Our, uh, our beloved uh, Mira was mostly unconscious from that point, given her uh, deluge of potion and bribery. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and Eleanor decided to uh, have, have a nice little fireside chat, Yolok being the ever-charming and wonderful person uh, that he is, went to offer Eleanor a helping hand and uh, extend, extend an olive branch in friendship and courtesy. And Eleanor rudely tried to steal his stuff and uh, specifically a dagger that he really liked and all of a sudden things got very heated and there was an argument now some people said some things that may or may not have been in void speech and maybe that's maybe that's not their fault but you know some things happened and uh, at the end of the argument, our uh, our beloved Mira came to the rescue, cast a spell upon uh, the uh, the King Killer dagger uh, while it was inside its scabbard, effectively peace tying it 
uh, and binding it in sap for the time being, uh, putting an end to the argument that had erupted. Did I miss anything? Um, there was definitely some bleeding from the ears. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, Yolak did bleed from the ears a little. <laughs> and Eleanor and Cetra. And everyone. <laughs> and everyone else maybe bled a little bit. Yes. Certain words were uttered in void speech, but, you know, like, who hasn't whispered some words in void speech every now and again? All right. Well, <laughs> so here we are. You all can have a refresh. Woo! So, fate points refilled. And uh, if you have any conditions that have been hanging around at this point, they would they would uh, clear up because uh, no one took anything else new on last time. So we're going to jump in. So it's in the next day and we're going to kind of skip through a little bit and jump right into things. So Mira and Thetra are in the room where Tomlin has been uh, resting and they've been caring for him, and the two of you have been kind of doing some diagnosis, and um, uh, and while the two of you have been talking, Fetra's also been um, been helping you prepare some of your studies around rituals and preparations and things like that, because it all feels fairly related to helping him prepare. And in fact, the two of you have devised a potion together that you think will help him um, that will help him recover. So the two of you are standing over him, and Thetra is sitting, uh, sitting there, um, kind of clacking her her nails together in front of her in front of her chest. Yes, I think if we can put those pieces together, I think it will help bring his mind out of the fog that it's in, and will help help him come together. She she kind of traces some of the diagrams the two of you have been drawing in some lists of uh, of different properties. I think if we prepare this potion the way we've designed here, I think it will have the effect. You've did a, you've done a very good job here, Mira. Very well done. Well, I, I appreciate the compliment. I'm just I'm hoping this all works. Um, can you foresee, can you foresee a way that this could go pear-shaped in any way? What happens if this doesn't work? It's all good in theory, but what happens if it backfires? <laughs> clack, 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 clack. Yes, it's not, well, things can definitely go wrong, but... That is in the the precise execution and brewing of the potion itself and the and the spell casting during the potion but so if as long as we're very, very careful and precise, we should be okay. but if it goes wrong it could at well, at the at best, it would just simply have no effect. But it, it worse it worst case, perhaps it could. 
who knows, potions can go wrong in many, many varied ways. It probably wouldn't blow up on us. Okay. Um, one would hope <laughs> that things wouldn't just explode, but, you know, if his, if his mind is occupying this sort of neither here nor there middle space, I'd rather bring him back rather than wipe his mind forever. I don't want to shake him clean. I'd like to bring him back. I understand. These things are never sure. As we've talked about, he might recover on his own just given time, but who knows? He's, he's been damaged quite, quite horribly. This seems like a good plan. I, I do think what we've worked out is sound, but it is not without any risk, and you should know that. Considering that it's my fault he's like this in the first place, I feel like I have to do everything I can to help. So let's, fortune favors the bold, let's do it. Good. Now, she, uh, she picks up the piece of paper the two, that the two of you have been working on and um, circles a few things listed at the bottom. In order for us to do this, you're going to need to gather several supplies that uh, we're not equipped with here. However, she kind of taps the three items. Uh, there is a shop in the perfume district that I am fairly confident should have everything that, that, that we need. So, um, I think... You should head there today, and I will keep an eye on Tomlin and make sure that he that he stays stable and healthy for when you return. The shop is the Taliska Connection, and she kind of grabs another piece of paper and starts scribbling down the, A, the ingredients again, B, the name of the shop, and and uh, the the location. The shop. The, the lady who runs the shop is a woman I've known for many years. Her name is Marta. And she should, uh, she should have everything we need, and I'm sure she'll treat you very well if you mention my name. I appreciate you making the contact and, uh, and setting me up. I, I will go forth and be successful and return as fast as I can. Tata's voice kind of pops just... in from behind you. The perfume district. Are you sure that's a good idea, Thetra? Things have been crazy though on the streets the last few days. The vampires are out, the gnolls are out, the cats are out, everyone is in the streets, and it's not particularly peaceful in the wake of the other night. So he's standing in the doorway, his arms folded in his kind of casual clothes. Well, I guess another fallout of our actions that we've got to face due to the power vacuum, I guess, that we've left. And we've got to solve the problem somehow. So hopefully we can make our way through safely and get ourselves out of any scrape. But I don't, I don't see a choice. We have to face the world as we left it. 
That is fair. That is fair. And he, uh, he turns around and heads to his room. So you have a list, and you have a location. So as a reminder, the Perfume District is a place you have been before. So it's mm -hmm. in the northern part of the city. Um, so kind of mostly directly north of the area where you are. And it is also very near the Pallid Court. But this is the part of town where you went after Festering Heth um, and uh, Rahid up in the northern part of town when you were recovering the Grimalkin Eye, what feels like forever ago. So you have been <laughs> to this part of town before. So we have some kind of geographical sense, mm -hmm. but it's really a matter of sort of the state of the city in the sort of the way things are and the, the threats that we may be posed within the street might be different, but at least we know our way around. Yes, and it's an area that uh, has kind of, it starts with a very high upscale area with really um, prestigious, you know, shops of like potions and exotic goods and perfumes and spices. And it's a, it's a kind of an upscale retail district of fairly specialized merchants. And then as you kind of continue even further north, it gets really skeezy and very like, um, Lots of like tanneries and alchemist shops that are pretty, you know, it, it's the similar type of business, but it ends up kind of just getting um, more and more seedy as you go farther north. Uh, well, looks like once again, I'm going to ask my friends to stick their necks out for me to collect some stuff to clean up my mess. So here we go, Mira says in an inner monologue. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but she looks over at, at, um, Tomlin's, is he on the couch at this point still, or is he still in the room? Um, so yeah, you've set him up in a cot, you know, in, yeah. a, in a tiny little room and he's resting. He's, he's sleeping the way he has been sleeping for a while. He, he is, it's occasionally peaceful, frequently kind of fitful sleep. Once in a while, he comes out for brief periods, but he's never been lucid. Okay. So she's looking over at his room and just going through a lot of emotions. And at this point, you know, she wasn't entirely sure they were going to survive the rescue at all. And so at this point, it's like, well, may as well go for broke and make him better. The risks don't stop here. Let's go. So so what is, is are, are she and I kind of, going through like the early morning wakings and stuff, is everybody else starting to like muster for the day or are we going to keep going on like our, okay, now that the Tomlin stuff is handled, now we got to get back to ritual school. So no, so this is, this is, we'll call it kind of late morning. Now everyone else is up and about and you're, you're in a good spot at this point for you, the, for you to make arrangements with the team. So how, how, what are all, what are all of you going to do? Um, I think we need to, and they were there for that conversation, right? So this is like under the assumption that we're all going or like, do I need to make the plea to like, come with me, please come on this errand. I don't think we were probably there. Um, I, I'm imagining that you and 
Thetra are having lots of discussions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Eleanor has kind of just been like, yeah, that, that they're doing their thing. And okay. I, I would assume she's probably sleeping off the night before. Okay. So I go over to the sort of morning setup with what I imagine is some manner of breakfast food and tea making. And so I put together a good stiff morning brew for the three of us and um, go over to to Yolak and Eleanor. And <laughs> Eleanor is a... And greet them with a hot beverage yeah, to at least I, get their attention. I don't attention. actually think that Eleanor and Yolak are particularly <laughs> near each other at this exact No, they're moment. not. Eleanor's definitely... Not, not that Eleanor is angry at Yolak. Eleanor is just honestly quite frightened of what Yolak has and what it's doing to him. And uh, she's not quite happy with everyone's response. She doesn't think everyone's taking it serious enough. And so she is keeping her distance from Yolak at the moment. Okay. Yeah, and I think, well, then- I think Yolak is uh, just... You know, he's never really been, like, a super social individual, right? So he's not naturally one to just curl up. He's more, like, I I think that he's around, but he's not actively trying to get in anyone's way or seek anyone's attention. So, Eleanor, um, your night was filled with um, kind of rough sleep as well. And in particular some fairly dramatic dreams involving Darius. Oh, no. And um, very close conversation with no details that you can remember except for his nearness and his presence. Ooh. And all morning, <clears throat> um, you feel him not close, but you just feel his presence. But he's close. In the city. <laughs> yeah. You feel the directional tug that you've been feeling. And anytime you're not like engaged in a task or a thing or a conversation, like it doesn't like distract you from things you're doing. But anytime you're not doing something, it kind of pulls your attention to him. Great. Excellent. So Mira sort of sees that there will be no central location and uh, and is going to kind of go appeal to each of them separately, kind of like going in between feuding friends and just hopefully they come to the same consensus and you can maybe kind of bring them together. Um, but uh, she starts with Eleanor and um, offers offers the hot tea. And um, Eleanor takes it. She's very grateful. She hasn't had a very restful night. And so that nice stiff brew goes a long way. Yeah. And and Mira can kind of tell that where it's like she's, I mean, effectively been bunking with Eleanor and her various (laughs) states of sleep for a (laughs) long time now. And so she can kind of tell the night she had based on how she behaves in the morning, Um, especially with the recent revelations of how these Darius dreams have been been on her so um so she kind of can guess that something's already up before even asking but giving her the benefit of asking and saying how was your night oh when we all 
finally got to to bed it was i could have been better i know he's still in the city i don't think he's close but he's still here and i don't know that he's going to leave i don't know that he's going to leave without his final say how are you, how are you sitting with that information how do you feel about about being here honestly i want to leave as soon as possible the further we can get away from him the better i want to get as far away from this place as i possibly can and i think we should do it as soon as can. i just we went through all this to get tomlin free and i just i can't resign him to this state i have to help him the rest of the way and i need to do one more thing today I need to run an errand and it's in town, which I know is over terra firma. So the safety that water provides, we would be leaving, but it's just for the day, but I have to do it and I'm going to do it, but I'm asking you, would you please help? Well, Mira, of course I'm going to come help you. I I think I would feel a lot better and a lot safer if we can make sure that it is done in the daylight hours. I think, Agreed. You know, if, if if I can feel him, he can feel me. Therefore, I know that I'm going to be of great help to you, especially if we encounter anything, which I'm sure we will. Um, but just for you to know that I am a beacon of sorts for him. So, so Eleanor is, is a beacon of the vampire who's after us and Yolok is a beacon for the undead queen who resides within him. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if we know that like Yolok is a beacon for. Well, she can reach through your body and use your well, corporeal form to harm people. So our we don't party know how of three is really a party of five. <laughs> we don't know how frequently that'll happen. We don't. Hmm. Um. Neither here nor there. Um, well, if things go according to plan, which we of course always hope they do and they never do, if we can go and retrieve these items from one shop where we know where it is, where we have a connection with the shopkeeper, hopefully if we can return with these things, we'll wrap this up and leave Perbestet to its own devices and leave it in our dust. Eleanor um, downs the rest of her brew and wipes her lips and stands up. Then let's get going. We're losing daylight. Uh, I thank you. I I wonder if you'd be comfortable. I think Yolak has to come. I think he is an invaluable asset. Is that going to be a problem for you? No, I do not have a problem with Yolak. The problem I have is with that dagger that he holds that he cannot let go of. I think 
that it is a major problem, but we have a lot of problems and let's start knocking them out one at a time. And if, if uh, getting these ingredients for Tomlin will fix that problem so that we can leave Perbastet, that is going to fix my problem with Darius and then we can deal with Yolok and that dagger later. Fantastic. Um, all right, so I head over to Yolok. I offer my tea and kind I've already of... heard everything that you were mentioning. Of course I'll join. Fantastic. Let's ride out. <laughs> okay, so how are you going to go about this? I had a quick question, though. Um, sure. Before we leave, um, I was wondering, and this can be just, if this isn't within the realm, then that's fine. But um, we've always talked about the Shadows of Blood and Thetra and like their kind of resources when it comes to being vampires and being on kind of the vampire side of things to keep whatever at bay. Do they have stuff against other vampires? Do they have ways that, like other than being on the water, which obviously works, do they have like cloaking mechanisms or some way that we could maybe obscure Darius's location on Eleanor? So that is something that is super specific. They have lots of techniques for like fighting vampires and kind of protecting oneself against vampires. They have, mm -hmm. there are definitely things like that. The specific thing going on between Darius and Eleanor is quite specific to a, you know, sire slash progeny relationship that mm. they wouldn't really have any foundation to work from. Okay. So, so no, like, like scanner jammer, like silver necklace, garlic perfume, like nothing that would obscure that. What frequency. if we found the phlebotanum though? <laughs> what a, what a, Oh, uh, it's a TV trope, phlebotanum. It's it's the the generic word for uh, you know the goop that you need to to you know do the one thing that you have to do. I've seriously never heard that term before. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah, never mind. All right. All right. So, um, so yes, they um, they actually do have um, a number of um, kind of little wards or, and mm. techniques. And now a lot, and some of them, most of them kind of require training. A lot of them are similar to things that Eleanor had kind of learned in her, in her days where in her, with, uh, it, from the family business of, but they're more specialized specifically against vampires. So actually, if you guys want to spend some time before you, uh, before you head out, if you want to spend some time making sure you are kind of prepared, um, then uh, I would be happy to give the group a an aspect of prepared for vampires with one free invoke. I don't know that we should spend time um, being out in the daylight is much more important than getting caught at night. And if we have to spend time to do this, and we get caught in the nighttime with the vampires. I don't know that these wards are going to do that much for us. 
So I honestly would say, like, let's just hit the hit the road. The time is more valuable. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. So in the question of how we're getting there, I think, I mean, we seem to have traveled via carpet around that district before, no problem. And it probably gives us a really good vantage point to kind of see what's going on from the air, considering the, we know that Darius will probably come at us via bat. So not a bad idea to come at it from the sky. And I think we've said that the three of you, since Yolak is pretty small, you can all ride on the carpet. It's kind of slower. It's a heavy load. You're not going to pull off any crazy aerial maneuvers with all three of you on there. But um, you can go that way. So are you glamoring? Are you veiling? Are you just going to fly on the carpet? What, What kind of precautions are you taking? Oh, I think we should veil ourselves if we can. I always have to ask because yeah, it's assumed it matters. Part of, it's part of your strategy these days. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to roll clever. Okay, so for three of you, oh no, that a... is a. I think we've said that's usually a three Ugh. to do. And do you want to make this a long? Sure. Yeah, it's let's make it long. So to make it long, you can use your 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 meta magic. To extend it, oh yeah, for free. Okay. So it's just using up your meta magic. Sure. Okay. So difficulty three. Uh, yeah. So that's a negative one on the dice, and my clever is plus three, so that's a plus two. Um, let's spend a fate point. Okay. Let's just bump that by two, so that we have a success, and we are veiled and can get to our destination okay. quickly and easily. Very good. So, on the carpet, veiled. It is at that with the with the that setup. It is easy for you to fly from the flood, kind of north, over the little houseboats and the walkways and the piers, and you head uh, across the the top corner of the bay into the perfume district, and immediately it is very nicely paved street, very high-end shops um, that are uh, displaying their displaying their wares. There's a lot of kind of sing-song merchants trying to call their um, call the customers into their shops. There's a lot of smaller little booth folks um, kind of on the street. Um, and as soon as you enter the uh, the area, the smell is very noticeable, and it's really interesting flying above it as everything just kind of mingles up in the the air above everything. So you're kind of just flying slowly above the crowd, and there's a lot of people out there. But you notice that there is there's no you're not seeing any violence, you're not seeing any standoffs, but there is a tension in the streets, but it does seem that this part of town is feeling um, that the folks that are walking around this district at this time of day don't seem to be doing it with any sort of fear or um, you don't see it. It doesn't seem like anyone is looking for trouble, but there is a tension in the air and folks are a, a lot more kind of close, seem a lot more closed off. 
and any of the interactions you're kind of seeing below seem just a little more forced and a little more guarded. Uh, but obviously you're not like listening to conversations or anything like that. So it's all kind of just general tone. So you flying above the main avenue and then you're able to follow a few streets and it's relatively easy. It takes a little, it takes a little while because you're flying, you know, only marginally faster than you would walk, but you're able to kind of move above the crowds at a nice steady pace. And, um, uh, so it does take a little while to get there because it is a big city and a big district. But after a little bit, you are able to actually touch down into a little courtyard. Um, and there is a fountain in the center of the courtyard. Um, sorry, courtyard is probably the wrong word. A plaza. Small plaza surrounded by um, large buildings that are built of a orange uh, sandstone bricks that are fairly common in this in the district with lots of little pavilion um pavilion uh kind of my gosh i'm totally losing the word what are those things pavilion it's not the right word what are the things that stick out with little like canopies or awning awnings thank you okay it's just over. yep so lots of the buildings have little awnings sticking out from them, creating nice little shade spots underneath because it is a very warm day in Perbestet. The fountain does have nice little burbling water coming out from it, and the shapes on the fountain are a, uh, a series of cats in cute little dancing poses. Each one is sort of spewing water out of its mouth in its various directions. And it's got a nice little pool at the base. And the shop that you're coming up to has a door with a window on the front of it with an awning kind of extending out over the window, creating a little shaded spot. And there's a little seating area there in front that is currently empty. And the shop looks very nicely maintained. There's a very fresh, uh, very fresh paint around the door and on the door itself. And there is a sign above that reads the Talisca Connection in um, wood inlay set above the door. So we pack up the carpet and as we've landed, we just looks like this is the place. And I lead us through the door. So as you come to the door, something very strange happens. And Eleanor, you feel this more, you, you actually have a feeling when it happens. Um, as you approach the area directly in front of the door, you feel like you cross a line and your veil disappears. And you, you, it feels like, uh, you feel just a little pop as the connection is just, uh, as the, your concentration on the veil just slips away and it's gone. And you, you realize you've just walked into a, a zone directly in front of the door that 
dismisses or dispels the veil. And you have a feeling it would probably do it to any sort of, like, illusionary magic as well. Wow, that's some security system. This is what happens when you have high-end shops in a, in a magic world. Yeah, I bet. So, it happens before you, like, open the door. So as we're walking, I just and I feel that I kind of put both my hands out, mm-hmm. um, just in front of Mira and Yolok, and just, uh, I just want you to know that there's our veil has been dispelled, and I'm not sure what kind of anti magic security system this shop has, but it definitely has some sort of uh, protection around it. Yeah, the two okay. of you didn't feel anything, but like you definitely realize that you're not veiled anymore. Because you you all look a little you all can still see each other when you're veiled, but it's like very it's it's different. So you all you now you you realize that you're not veiled anymore, but you didn't feel anything. Well we're clearly dealing with somebody very capable so hopefully they'll have everything we need and we can get out of here quickly we proceed inside okay very good so you are you walk in and as you walk in there is a little um a little tinkling sound just like as if it was like a door chime when you walk in but as you look up there's no bell interesting it's a uh but there's definitely a little kind of and it doesn't sound like a bell. It sounds more like a, uh, more like a, 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 a someone kind of dragging a, a light stick across a, a series of wind chimes. <laughs> and um, as you walk into the shop, uh, a moment later, you hear some sounds from uh, back in the room. So in in the room, it's in the shop itself. It's full of glass cases and cupboards. And nothing is available for ready touching. Everything is behind a lock. Everything is behind a door. Or or like a, a, a it's either a locked cupboard or it's a glass case. And uh, up on the lining, the, the just below the ceiling line, is a series of what look like special items. So in the shop up along the ceiling line are special cases kind of mounted to the wall for display of very special items. So you see a few wands of various designs. You see um, jewelry in a number of the cases. You see cupboards full of what look like exotic little uh, vials of all kinds of things. But this is not a, this is not some sort of hedge witch herbalist supply store. This is a serious components and magical dealings kind of shop. So coming out from behind a, uh, um, the, the door and the door is, uh, that heads back is, has a little curtain of, of beads 
trailing all the way down, and they all look like uh, kind of multicolored glass beads. And out steps a uh, a woman, and she is tall, she is slender, she has olive skin with really lovely black hair uh, just rolling down in really nicely kept curls with a uh, with a flower kind of headband in the top and her dress is pink silk and uh, her eyes and her lips are all made up she's very very put together she walks out and sees the three of you and Hmm. Hello. How can I help you today? Welcome to the Taliska Connection. Uh, good day. Um, my name is uh, Mira, and these are my two friends. Um, we have been um, we've been sent to you on the recommendation of our friend Thetra. She has sent with us a list that she felt pretty confident you'd be able to help us acquire. Oh. Oh, you're a friend of Fetra. Hmm. How is she these days? She is quite well. She has... She's been a dear friend to, to all of us, and... Um, and I, I take her word and her training and all of her magical capabilities in the highest regard. And she recommended you, and and I, I hope that you can, you can help us just as well. But she's, she's been an incredible benefit to all of our quality of lives. Oh, that's very kind of her. Is she safe during all of the? She sort of waves out the window. This. She is. She, she and our cadre are are well protected and have been able to stay unharmed through the fray. And you noticed as she she almost wasn't listening to you for a moment because she was looking out the window and something got her attention and she suddenly walks over to the window and is kind of looking around. Huh. Forgive me. I thought I saw something in the window and she goes to the door kind of opens the door looks out um uh, eleanor is gonna go over to the window and take a peek out you don't see you don't see anything and as she looks out she did like nothing's out there but she's like i could have sworn i she comes back in and she shuts the door forgive me i could have sworn i saw i i thought i saw Someone or something peeking in the bottom of the window, but I don't see anything out there now. You'll forgive me, I'm... A shop that deals in our types of expensive goods must be very vigilant. I hope you understand. Forgive me. Um, and she comes back to the, back to the, the counters. So. While she continues to talk, mm -hmm. um, Eleanor's just gonna kind of walk the perimeter of the shop, just mm -hmm. kind of slowly um, trying to see if there's anything. She also looks at Yolok and just kind of makes eye contact um, as if to be like, let's uh, let's check this out. Yeah, so Yolok is scanning through the items to see 
what is there? That was going to be my question is Novak doesn't have the aspect eye for antiques anymore, but like, does no. that mean that his whole like sensibility? No. Is oh no. no. His high concept is a uh, slippery treasure hunter. So if there are some treasures to be hunted in here, then, you know, that's uh, right up his alley. He will go. <laughs> it does bring up an interesting, real quick, it does bring up an interesting point though about aspects, you know, evolving and changing for your characters. It doesn't mean it's not still a thing that Yolok is, that is, is important about Yolok. It means it's not something that's a focus of story. It, it means he's not gonna get, he doesn't get to invoke it for advantages. It can't be compelled against him. It's not a focus. It doesn't mean he still doesn't have an eye for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, your care, as your characters kind of get, you know, get to grow and evolve, if you decide to change aspects, the other stuff doesn't necessarily just go away. It means it's just not as important anymore. But, so, to your point about what is in the room, so, in these yeah. cupboards, they're grouped, they're definitely grouped by sort of types. And it, the organization is relatively clear and logical. The main, there's a main central case that is clearly meant to be like the thing everyone kind of looks at first when they come in, probably because it's really expensive stuff, is lots of jewelry. None of it is labeled, but there are lots of pendants, there are earrings, there are bracelets, there are um, uh, rings and all sorts of um, hair. There's even hairpins and things like that. What you don't see is armaments. There's no gauntlets. There's no shields. There's no um, there's no weapons in this place. But lots of little ornaments. So that's in the main case. The main case. The so various and, types and it's of all jewelry. unlabeled, huh? None Just of it is labeled. Unlabeled. Huh. Yes. No, there's no, you know, amulet of protection or ring of invisibility or anything like that. Um, is how, anything like, uh, you know how you, when you go to jewelry stores and they do have their, their bin of stuff? Yep. Uh, they'll, they'll usually have like a, um, you know, like a little pedestal for like the one thing, you know, the... In the very center, it's flanked by a bunch of cool stuff, but right in the center, there's usually, like, a really slick thing. Is there anything that's sort of high-graded like that, or is it all just, like, a bucket of stuff? There is, and it's a uh, it's a really large and ornate um, necklace feels like an understatement. It's mm. like a, a collar thing. I probably don't have the right vocabulary for just a neck piece, a neck like piece. A, like a, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, <laughs> yes. dimension collar. Yeah, yes, it's meant to splay itself across your collarbones, and uh, and it is made of what you can tell is not actually silver. It is made of little mithril threads and pearls. And very small diamonds, but lots of them. So it glistens. It's just, it very much glistens white and silver and would be quite a striking piece 
Um, and it would look great on Yolok. <laughs> <laughs> it would look great on the mistresses. It would look great on the mistresses. Yes. Oh. Um... <laughs> And it so, is, and so it's that's... actually displayed on a bit of a, on like a, a bust. Yeah. So that's the main case. That's the, the main The case. unlabeled jewelry. Yes. Uh, now you said there were also vials of stuff. Yes. So off to your right, there's a wall. And this is a wall of kind of curio cabinets that are all sort of double doored, um, all locked. But lot, but all of them have big glass panels that you can kind of see what's inside. So lots of, this is clearly a section of ingredients. So these are lots of little vials of many, in most cases, it's something suspended in fluid. So lots of little, um, Mira notices lots of little branches herbs, um, uh, leaves, various things suspended in what is probably some sort of like oil or something like that as a preservative. Um, you also see lots of little sachets of, uh, of probably, um, ground up, uh, various ingredients in little pre, pre-done little bags as well. Um, and then it gets into some larger things that get a little bit on the odd side. Like, there are definitely some pieces of anatomy in some of these larger jars, like, you know, um, <laughs> of something that looks like an organ of some rodent of some sort, perhaps, or um, a, what looks like a claw. There's a, or there's a, a preserved claw of something. There's you know, various little skulls or bones or all kind. It starts getting, they're all sort of organized in ways that feel quite natural as you're sort of looking from the, across the shelf as it moves from, you know, vials to bags to, um, body parts and, are, and such. Are there any uh, prices listed in this store, or is this store a, if you have to ask, you can't afford it? It's, <laughs> it's the latter. Nothing is labeled, and nothing is priced. Nothing. Even the ingredients, nothing is labeled. Nope, because she knows what they are. And what's Labels on the other encourage wall? theft. What what's on the other wall? So we have the center, we have the left wall, I think, and the right wall. So the right wall, and... or the that sorry, that was the right wall. The left wall is another set of cases, and this is a lot of little implements. So a variety of wands, rods. There are even two very nice looking staffs that are. One of them looks like it's made of just six feet of crystal like a solid piece about the size of your thumb, it looks like it would be exceptionally brittle and fragile. Who knows if it actually is, but it looks like a solid piece of crystal from top to bottom, and it's a little um hexagonal rod. And at the very top is a simple sort of empty diamond shape so it's a very understated but very elegant piece that just looks like it would break the second you tapped it against anything. 
And then the, the, the staff next to it is a classic wooden shaft, kind of a dark wood. And then, uh, the top and bottom have sort of, uh, or the bottom has a heavy silver cap. The top has a silver mounting for then, with then a, uh, a mounted stone. Um, probably a topaz or something else, but it's quite large, very glinty, and it, um, is mounted in the, at the top of the staff. And in the, the, the wood grain has a very, like, um, has a very elegant swooshing pattern throughout the wood, but it's otherwise a fairly simple design staff. Those two are in a special tall case. Okay. And then lots of, like, wands, rods um spoons things of that things of that sort of size and dimension uh okay so as um yolak is kind of looking around it it seems like almost all of this stuff is completely foreign to him like he knows <laughs> He's he's traveled and he knows a lot of stuff, but like, you know, staffs and like ingredients thing, like alchemy and jewelry. I mean, jewelry he might have an eye for, but as far as the jewelry is concerned, he's probably just like under the assumption that bigger is better in this case. And what I want to do is I want to try and see if he can sense any sort of enchantment around the the jewelry. So, um, but I don't know them, if I have any way to sort of sense that. Yeah, you don't. Some of them definitely have. There are definitely a few pieces that have a bit of an extra gleam to them. Mm. Eleanor, on the other hand, this shop positively like pumps with magical energy mira can feel a bit of this but like as a sorcerer whose kind of lifeblood is ma magic is part of your like lifeblood um this shop definitely like is noisy noisy it's noisy when that like there's there's a lot of like energy energy coming out, of coming out particularly from the jewelry shell, the jewelry case, and the implements case to the left, those staffs are like a big, big freaking deal. Um, and that neck piece, that, that big necklace, um, piece of mithril and pearls and diamonds, like, is loud. Um, the, the, all of the ingredient shelf, not so much. So Eleanor can feel this. Um, and she definitely looks around and notices mm -hmm. these things. But, I mean, she kind of expected yeah, that totally. we'd be going somewhere magical to get these ingredients. And so she is much more interested in the fact that we're in kind of a rough part of town. And this lady seems a bit agitated that she thinks there was somebody poking around. Yeah. Like, Eleanor, you could kind of care, take, take these things or leave them. Like, they're cool, but much more focused on, is there somebody? Mm -hmm. Have we been followed? Is there something trying to get into the shop? Like, are we going to get ambushed? Mm -hmm. What's up? So, 
it's worth just pointing out just from a character perspective that Mira from the minute it was what's out the window it looked like there was something there no okay and then like her hackles are up she notices that Eleanor is kind of got the lookout position and she can handle kind of whatever situation is happening. So her head swivels over to Yolak, who she know has a proclivity for shiny objects and sees his eyeballs swirling around all over the place and just gently puts a hand on his shoulder <laughs> without a word. As Marta kind of walks back to the counter, she actually um, takes a moment and sticks her head back through the curtain and uh, calls out, uh, calls out her name. Ivor, could you please join me here? And uh, as she comes back to the counter, looks at you, Mira, with a lovely smile. And then out through the curtain comes a fairly beefy knoll, uh, a male knoll. Um, and uh, he just stands there behind the counter, not being menacing, but just present. And uh he has a he is armed. He is carry he has a pair of pretty big beefy kukri daggers at his belt. Doesn't make any moves to touch them. But uh he is clearly the guard and is just going to stand there and observe. Does it seem like, or can we tell that she called him into the room on our account or because of what happened out at the window? Probably a bit of both. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think Yolok actually is really interested to see a Noel again. So, like, close to seeing um, Rising Sun. So I think Yolok actually kind of heads over to Ivar and introduces himself. Oh. He, uh... He looks a little uncomfortable as you come up like, uh, like you're not supposed to be talking to me, <laughs> but he, he does kind of give you an awkward smile. Like he's trying to be a good customer service person. <laughs> it's a big toothy knoll smile though. So it's kind of creepy. Hel hello. Thank you for, thank you for coming. <laughs> Uh, sorry, that's not, that's not Yolok laughing, that's me, sorry. <laughs> the idea, sorry, the idea of, like, a customer service knoll is so good. <laughs> sorry. <clears throat> um, uh, hail and well met, good knoll. You know, I find it interesting in all of my travels that I only see your kind on rare occasion, yet in the past... Three days, I've seen two of you. Tell me, have you ever heard of the Knoll Rising Sun? He looks m mildly offended. If you're not seeing many Knolls, then you're not getting around town very much. Hmm, fair enough. I often don't find myself in territory occupied by those who could so easily best me in single combat. He warms up to you a little bit. <laughs> Nicely played. He, 
his smile looks a little less creepy, a little less forced, and uh uh to be to be fair, we mostly stick to the district of the hyena. Where have you been in town? You've been mostly in the flood and the district of the cats. Yeah, but I'm not sure I really want to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, up to you. What? What is okay? Uh, does Yolok actually know the district names? Not I mean, super well. You yeah. you've been in town for a little while, so you you definitely. Uh, I well, actually, wait a second. Um, I I don't think so because didn't he like? <laughs> He sort of just came here for the for the fireworks. Well, you but you were here before. Um, remember, you were on the road of the Grimoire. Yeah. You have a general familiarity. Um, okay, but that's like someone saying, like, "Hey, do you know where Brooklyn is in New York?" And you're like, "It's that way," you know, like, "Yeah, it's in New York." Knowing so, yeah, yeah knowing the names of the big districts okay. is fairly basic city knowledge, okay. but knowing anything about them is is different. To be honest, good Noel, my services are more like yours than anything else. I follow my mistresses around and don't ask many questions about where we are. Hmm. He he gives a nice little nod, and then he looks down at your belt, notices your Moroti dagger, and uh, gives a little sniff. Did you, uh, did you kill some dragon folk to get that? Uh, so, s since we're just kind of, like, goofing around and having a grand old time, sure. I think Yolok actually, uh, sort of, like, uh, pulls, pulls it out and just sort of hands it, like, sort of, sort of with, like, a little bit of, like, a stage flourish. Sure. Nothing that would be considered threatening or anything just sort of like a little dagger twirl trick kind of thing and uh sort of flashes it up uh to ivar sort of offering him to to have a look sure. and he says and he says it is so rare to meet one who knows of the requirements to uh, acquire one of these stilettos. Please, have a look if you desire. He takes it for a moment, and while he's looking at it, then suddenly there's a tap on his shoulder, and Marta kind of gives him a look, like, what are you doing? And gives him, a, and whispers in his ear, and he kind of straightens up. He very gracefully hands you the dagger back, and he actually goes out and goes and looks at the, kind of peeking out the window for a minute. And then steps out the front door and disappears for a minute. You see him kind of, you see him pass in front of the window on the outside, like he's doing probably a little round. And he'll return in a, he'll return in a, in a few minutes without any motion. But cool. as he, as he steps out, forgive me. He is my, he is, uh, uh he is my security and, uh, I just want to make sure everything is good. How can I help you today? So Mira reaches in and uh, produces the the shopping list effectively from Thetra and um, 
and hands it over and says, I'm hoping that that these items will be recognizable to you and that we could accomplish this list together. This this is our mission. This is our errand today. Very good. She takes a look. Ah, yes. This should be very doable. Um, here, come with me. And she leads you over to the right wall of all the different kind of ingredients. And she opens up one case and goes through and pulls out a vial that has some, look, looks like a bunch of um, floating flower petals in oil. And then she goes over to the kind of another section of more like dried ingredients. And uh, now this one, she, uh, the second item on your list is going to take a little bit of preparation. So, uh, forgive me, how familiar, uh, are you familiar with, um, the herbalism techniques yourself, or are you simply gathering these things for Fetra? Uh, herbalism happens to be my specialty. That ah. is my wheelhouse. Very good. So, she's asking for the thorn of a rather unique flower, and I happen to have some of it dried here. However, may I ask, are you using this in a potion or in a salve or in a uh in in some other some other delivery this is going to be for a very carefully crafted potion that we absolutely have to get precisely right i see uh in that case this should be the thorn will need to be powdered so she reaches up into the cabinet and pulls out a stem that is very thin and very kind of twisty and has very long pointed spines coming off of it. Not like, they're not like sort of short and sort of claw-like, like a, like a rose thorn. They're long and needle-like. So she takes it and she um, takes it over to the counter, pulls out some tools and proceeds to kind of grind it down into a very fine, uh, very fine powder, um, prepares it for you and puts it into a nice little bag and uh there we go that should suit your purposes nicely and then the last item is uh, actually a mineral and she goes over to another cabinet and pulls out um, a few rocks Br uh, brings them over um since you're doing a potion, um, and since Fetcher's note doesn't indicate these are supposed to be ground, I suspect they are meant to actually infuse your potion. So these should be fine as is. And she kind of puts them into a nice little package as well. These are the three things you came looking for. And right at that, that moment, Ivar comes back in and just gives a little head shake, like, didn't see anything. She shrugs, and he resumes his place uh, behind the counter and kind of nods it at uh, Yolok. 
So while this is kind of going on, Eleanor, is there anything you're no. doing? Okay. I'm okay. just kind of not casing the joint, but, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of casing the joint. For sure. For sure. Um, okay. So she totals up some stuff. She gives you a number. You guys have the money. We're not going to worry about the, the, the details of the currency here. Um, and at that point, things are, uh, so she kind of puts it all into a nice little, uh, a nice little package for you, sets it forward. Is there anything else that I can help you with today? Oh, Mira's struggling because, I mean, even just that little of, do you know anything about... I know plenty. Thank you. Like I'm, I'm looking at the case of ingredients. I see that this person knows what they're doing. I so would love to take advantage of spending the time here, but the pull to get back to Tomlin mm-hmm. to get this going and also heating Eleanor's uh, word to get out uh, and get as much daylight, you know, as we possibly can and avoid, we just weren't, we're too rushed, just lost opportunity. Just so how, while while they're doing all the checkout stuff and everything's just i mean we're saying everything's cool and nothing is like weird happening right now as far as we know everything's just it's a normal transaction right yep it's going well so i i'd like to uh just head up next to Ivar again kind of while i while <laughs> while the grown-ups are talking uh <laughs> we'll go to the go to the kids table for a sec and i just uh want to ask Ivar Tell me, good sir, why build this wildly ornate shop in such a rough part of town? Where's the sense in that? He shrugs. Not my decision, but... It's a place where the right people come to. This is a part of town where there are many similar types of shops, and people know that this is the place you go for these types of purchases. One doesn't find a shop like this near the Temple of Bastet, for instance. But what is so special about these necklaces and flowers that it needs to be hidden away? He shrugs. I have no idea. Have your services ever been required here? Have people ever tried to take what wasn't theirs? Oh, yes. Yes. We've had break-ins several times. Usually in the night. That's the standard MO. There's an alarm, there's a, an effective alarm system though, and I stay, I stay close. However, we have actually once had a daytime theft. And, uh, they were trying to distract my lady there, and, uh, someone else tried to take something from a cabinet, 
And, uh, well, I ended up having to tackle them out in the street. That doesn't sound like it would have been too difficult for you to accomplish, Ivar. He shrugs. It's a job. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get much out of him with that. Eleanor, this is weird because it's daytime. You feel Darius. Uh, like more than I have been feeling him? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's on the move. Is he coming toward us? Like, is it getting stronger or is it getting weaker? Uh, stronger, but not quickly. Not like a beeline. However, so just a, a bit of context. You, um, you know that for some very powerful vampires, they might have and certain items that might keep them safe in the daylight. They might have certain enchantments or certain capabilities. There are different things. You don't remember him when you were trying to in, uh, infiltrate his place. You don't remember him actually having any personal capability. He never went out in the day. But something is... You feel him on the move. And he's getting, like, it's getting stronger, like he's coming closer to us. And But it's not fast, it's slowly. Yeah. Okay, so I'm kind of looking at Mira to see if, like, the sail is going down, if we're going to leave, and mm -hmm. it looks like we're about ready to go. So um, Eleanor goes walking up. Uh, thank you so much for your help. Mira, it is time to go. And I look at you and give you a nice smile of let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am so curious as to what was going on outside that window. I have a feeling if we stick around here a whole lot longer, we are going to find out. We gotta make tracks. So, as you are headed out of the shop, the uh, the direction that you are coming from, there's actually a number of men over that way. And why are these men? They like, are they so they are <laughs> <laughs> they are standing there and they look like they are trying to look like they're just hanging out, but they are very definitely not just hanging out. And a few of them are pointedly looking at you. And you also see that there are definitely weapons present. They're definitely human, though. They're, they're, uh, but they are armed and they are hanging out. Okay, so, um, Mira, Yolak, let's, let us just go to this corner. I want to kind of, like, get us to go to the side of the mm -hmm. shop, and I want to veil us really quick. Uh, I, uh, ask for a moment. I will be right back, Eleanor. And I dip back into the shop. 
he's got to go say goodbye to his uh his new gnome friend. <laughs> Uh, no, I go to the shopkeeper. Uh, uh, yes, Martin. friend? Forgive me, uh, for the intrusion. Would you happen to know why there is a group of armed men waiting for us outside your shop? She goes and she's like, she looks shocked. She looks legitimately surprised and goes and sticks her head out the... She moves like she's going to go head to the door. Unless you, like, stop her for any reason. Don't stop her. She's going to... She looks She looks out the door and... Uh, no. No. I definitely have no idea what's going on there. Um... Do you know... Is she so since she's poking her head out the door, the two of you are there. Is there trouble? She says to the two, to Eleanor and Mira. <laughs> Not any more or less trouble than when we came. I mean, the whole city is in an uproar right now. We weren't expecting this, if that's what you're asking. I have no explanation for this. We're hoping to avoid, at all cost, you can see the problem ahead of us. Yes. Um, how are you? And at that moment, you see one of the men over in that group, uh, throw what looks like a rock, except for it's like black. And it goes tumbling along the ground near, uh, reaching the area near the shop. And then suddenly it goes <laughs> and it doesn't explode. Darkness poofs out from the rock, and the whole plaza is plunged into an enormous twilight of dim light. Remember that daylight we were trying to take advantage of? <laughs> uh, question. Yep. I am still in the shop. Yep. You see the is light go is it dark in the shop? Is, um, is this a exterior effect only? So the the shop is still lit by um, its own interior light. So it's not like pitch black supernatural darkness. It's okay. like the sunlight just all went away. Okay. Instant nighttime. Yes. Instant, uh, instant twilight. Eleanor and Mira, would you kindly join me in the shop? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think we're going to go in the shop if that just happened. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you all screw. So at that moment, Ivar comes, like, striding forward, and he's, like, looking out through the window, and he's, like, he shuts the door behind all of you and uh, is, like, looking out through the windows and his uh and looks like he's ready to like pull steel as soon as something calls for it. Even when we go sir. inside, can we see through the window? Do they start walking towards us where they're like, Well, all right, here we go. Did they, we see what happened to the crowd when yeah, we were inside? They do. So actually you also hear a a bunch of scattered like cries as people 
who of like regular people who weren't expecting that who were out in the plaza like are scurrying around trying to like get out of dodge like what is going on so they are all coming out that way but none of them are actually coming to the shop they look like they're setting up a kind of taking a perimeter around oh. the shop all the guys yeah none of the they are not actually coming to the shop itself. They're just forming a perimeter. Okay, so I think we need to, like, veil ourselves, get on the carpet, and get out of here. Ivar, <laughs> have you ever, in your extensive brawling experience, uh, squared off against vampires? You... Uh... No? No. And Marta... In this shop, and please forgive the forward question, do you have anything that could help us in fighting vampires should they come in? Uh, she, again, she looks very taken off guard, but, um, vampires burn, right? She clearly doesn't know too much about vampires specifically. Well, yes, I should hope so. Otherwise, we're all in a great deal of trouble. She goes and uh, opens up, pulls out her keys, and opens up the uh, the cabinet with the staffs in it and pulls out the, the wood and uh, topaz staff. Hmm. <sighs> She 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 looks really like not comfortable, but like it might be she she would at least do something with it. So that's about all the time it takes when two bodies appear in the door and start kicking on the door. Like they're gonna and thankfully Ivar got it locked. So it's bolted, but they are kicking it and it's kicking hard. Like and as they do that, you actually see the door, like, sparks start flying around the door because there are, like, clearly some protections going on on this thing. And they're getting really um, damaged. Uh, I want Yolok to, like, pull up, uh, like, if the door frame... The, the door on the door frame off, off to the side of the sure. door frame so that when people come in, he's off to the side and can get some some good strikes. Sure. In. And then something hard looks like a lar like a a brick crashes into the, the glass window. And thankfully the window glows and like jiggles and the brick bounces off. Nice. Um, and then someone starts coming up with a big old, with a, with a, uh, an axe and starts slamming an axe against the glass and it starts <laughs> like it's holding up, but it's going to break. So these, it's Marta, so is there, is there any other exits from which we could escape this building i know it's full of entire valuables but hopefully if we can make our escape and they can see us leave hopefully they'll leave you alone as well out the back uh, there's a there's a there's a rear alley 
and the things are starting to shatter. Now, what you see, the because you can't really see the ones at the door very well, but the one at the window, this is definitely a vampire. This is not one of the thugs. Eleanor knows this is a that is a an armed vampire warrior. Vampire warrior? Sure looks like. And what is a vampire warrior? I mean, I'm assuming it's it's like a vampire, but I mean, it's one of yeah, one of really their fighters. Funny. Oh yeah. no, from the pallid court, probably. So he is fairly athletic, and he is smashing that axe into the enchanted glass again and again, and you can tell that you've got about three more hits before it shatters in. So he's not inside yet? Nope, not yet. The oh, door is yeah. also sparkling and crackling as they're kicking in the door, and it is holding, but not for much longer. Does the axe that he's holding, this is maybe pretty far flung, um, does the axe that he's holding, does it have a wooden handle? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> what wood is it? It does have a wooden handle, as most axes, as most axes, uh, most axes do. Um, manipulating a piece of wood that is being held and wielded by someone else is possible. It's hard, but yeah. it's possible because a it's moving, b it's under someone else's control, and so it's possible if you want to do something to that. It, it's just tricky. I'm curious if it would be worth the the cost of resources it would take to buy like if the time we could buy by getting the one guy who's just about to come through the glass if we could if i could buy us time by spending the effort i'll do it i'm just wondering if it'll be worth it um it would buy you there's even if you take if you do him there's the two on the door so it might buy you some time but there's more coming okay um, uh, if I, if I should, I think, I think I want to try Okay. to see what I'd like to do is, is I want the wood of the handle to sprout, um, like thorns themselves, sure. thorns enough that they're poisonous and would, would injure the hand of the wielder and at least get him to drop it for a while and tend to the wounds. Sure. Pokey, doing some brief pokey thorns on the handle is, is, uh is reasonable. Um, that is going to be a difficulty, uh, difficulty three, but you have to use fast. Okay. Because time is of the essence here. Yeah. All right. Well, my fast is two. So here we go. That is a four. Well, sweet. So <laughs> this is going to be a temporary effect. This isn't going to last a long time. However, as he rears back to uh to to make another swing suddenly you you hear uh, you hear him go ah and he lets go of the of the axe and drops to the ground and he he uh holds his he he like holds his hands for a minute ah and it definitely seems to like buy a minute as he takes a second to probably heal his hands um as vampires do the other two kicking on the door keep kicking and you definitely have a moment of of, uh, of a little extra breathing room. Are you going to 
try and run? Are you going to try, set up to fight? What are you going to do? You have, you see him then go grab a chair from that was out in front of the, the space. Is it a wooden chair? No, it is a metal, it is a metal chair. <laughs> we need to get out of here as fast as possible. We need to go out the back, take to the air, and we'll try to set up enough of a distraction that we will lure them away. She, she guides, she, she doesn't say anything. She, and, and just rushes to the back through the, the curtain of beads. And she leads you through a, a work area of like a workshop and back through a kind of a storage and heads into, uh, and leads you to a back door. Um, and the back door opens up out onto an alley that's running kind of parallel to the, to the, the buildings. And there are, um, you can see this, there's a, all of the little shops have these little alley accesses. And it is still dim over here, but it's brighter. So it's not as dim. But it's a narrow alley, and it's flanked on both sides by, you know, two-story um, two-story buildings. So it kind of seems like, like we're not going to veil because we want them to see us so that they follow us for a little bit. They at least know we're not in the shop. Our gen we want them to know we're out of the building, but hopefully not track us. So maybe we could like veil midair and just mm. disappear into the sky. Okay. Yeah, that, that like, like we're here, we're here, and then whew. like yeah. fly towards the sun, right? That'll do it. And veil, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're hopping on your carpet. Mm hmm Okay. And you are so it can slowly kind of elevator up. It's not great at doing the elevator move. It's better at kind of swooping. But are you, so are you going straight up or are you going to kind of swoop down the alley and gain elevation? Uh, whatever the quickest route is to get to the front of the building, if it's up and over or if it's around, idea is to be out of the line of fire, but to be within visibility range so we can cast the fireball. I think we should probably swoop because then we're going fast when we're in front of the building, which is going to make it a lot more difficult for them to do anything to us. Yeah. Okay. So as you go swooping down the alley and as you're gaining elevation, um, you see several bot forms at the top of the building running parallel to you. And as you're coming up, suddenly three of them leap off the building and come <gasps> down to tackle you. So, oh, no! action time. Uh, I feel like they should have to roll for that. Oh, they are. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. But we're now in action. We're, we're in action mode. So. Because we're going fast. Well, we have Not, kind of a heavy load. You have a heavy load. We're going... Faster than directly straight up. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. like... Waiting for the, it's like, yeah, you, you're moving. It's not nearly as fast as, um, this isn't Aladdin on his carpet because that's just right. him. Yes. If yep. one of you wants to pull those kind of maneuvers, you can, but not with three of you on the carpet. It's hard. So, um, you are, you are a moving target though. And in fact, so they are, um, how would one of you like to roll? For um, 
uh, I think fast does feel appropriate here. Um, I want to roll fast. Okay, so, um, yeah, Brendan, you can go ahead and roll fast for the uh, the defense for the for the group. Is it my fast score? Uh, yes. Idea being, I see them running up and try to shove, push, and otherwise manipulate the space such that they don't land on carpet. Yes. So they are going to uh, be jumping at you with a three, because there are three bodies of them that you have to try and somehow deal with. Okay. Okay. Ooh. I am totally going to pay one of my GM fate points to re-roll that, because I had a negative two on the dice there. Okay. I have a I have a plus one uh, on my three, on so three. I'm at a four. You're at a four. Okay. I got a two. That puts me at a five. So what happens if they succeed? So... Um, Before full, I decide if I want to spend a fate point. Full success, uh, all three will succeed in tackling onto the carpet and will surely plummet you down to the ground hard. If, okay. uh, if it's a, um, if it's a tie, then it's going to end up being like one of them succeeds. And now the carpet is too weighed down and you're going to struggle to make elevation and, and escape. But you're, uh, but, uh, he'll be more easily kind of dealt with. If you have a clean success, then you can kind of kick them all off with some disruption. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to spend a fate point then and beat by one. Okay. I'm going to pay the second of my three GM fate I mean, I think points. it's good to use the fate points, because if they get onto this carpet, it's bad news. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so so my first fate point, I am... Jeez, I probably need to invoke an aspect here, right? Getting in is no problem. Getting out is... <laughs> that, feels a, that, that feels appropriate. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, sure. like, we're having a hard time leaving. Sure. Uh, And they're invoking, they're invoking, um, uh, inhumanly fast. So they are running and leaping in a way that look like they are, if they're humans, they're souped up humans. Okay. Uh, I am going to invoke my stunt lightning wits which is once per scene, on my turn, without taking an action, create a new scene aspect with one pre-invoke. Yep. And so uh, the scene aspects I want to create is called Buzzing the Tower. And uh, it's referenced huh? to Top Gun, right? You know, when they're buzzing the tower, they're going, they're going really low to the deck, and they're speeding up, and they're going oh. really fast in their airplanes. Yeah, uh, that's the aspect I want to create, uh, and I would like to invoke that, which puts me on top by one. I will let that happen. So, tell us as three as three bodies come leaping off the the second story building above you. 
trying to tackle your carpet. Um, tell us how, how they miss. Yeah, so um, one of them trips over the gutter. Just full on, they're, they're coming in for the leap, trip on the gutter. The other two are coming in, and um, the, uh, the first one uh, is, is going to land right on uh, the carpet where Yolak is, and he sort of uh, rears back and gives a well-timed kick to that, uh, to that uh, person. And when he does that kick, uh, it also pushes the, uh, the carpet along with all of the other people just ever so much laterally, which is just enough for the last person who's jumping onto the carpet to just be mm, inches short of where they need to be. And as the carpet is accelerating and flying away, you can see their hand try to come up and grasp the edge of the carpet, but it's moving just a little bit too fast, and the the fingers brush the edge right as they uh, as they fall. Okay, so the three bodies hit the ground, and they you notice they get back up, which for a two story fall Ooh, ain't vampires. nothing. So you uh, you keep flying down the alley and you're picking up altitude. Um, and were you going to curve around to the front so that you're seen? Yeah, yeah. Cause we want them to see us, follow okay. us, and then we'll we will veil okay. ourselves, maybe, hopefully. Okay. So as you are coming around, uh, you see in the dim light. Um, at that corner where the, uh, where the thugs were kind of congregating, there is a, there is someone you really, really didn't expect to see. Oh no. So, cloaked in very, very fine white, in a fine white dress with big, swoopy um sh- we not wings but giant sash dra- uh, connecting from her wrists <laughs> up to her shoulders and with her elegant headdress is lady alashra herself Ooh. no she does not and what's like very us. different from before is in her hands she is actually holding a rod and she sees you. She points the rod at you, and a crack of lightning ah! fires out from this rod. Big oh my God. lightning bolt. Oh, we need to like turn the carpet and turn the carpet. So, um, Yolak did the last thing. One of you gets to handle this one. Let's turn. We gotta like. We gotta so, be made. Yeah. She is attacking you with a lightning bolt. Her intent is more about knocking you off the yeah. carpet than it is to do actually do damage. But um, you're def- you're defending probably with fast, but I'm open to other options here. 
With if I use thirsty, mm -hmm. do I get a plus two to fast? In most cases, yes. Sweet. I want to roll. It absolutely pumps up your reaction. I like see her. I lock eyes. I like feel it. Ooh, I like it. I feel. I'm like we gotta whoosh, and I'm gonna grab the carpet. So the two of you are making eye contact, and oh. you see her hold up the rod. You see, you get a sense the crackle. Oh yeah, I feel it coming. Like yeah. I've got that spidey sense. <laughs> yeah. Hence why the thirsty's gonna kick in, which is totally. gonna give me a plus three. All right. Come on, die! She's rolling a five. She gets a four. Um, I'm rolling a three, and I get a two. Okay. I think this is probably pretty important that we do not get knocked off of the carpet. So, I'm going to pay a fate point. Okay. Um, which is going to bring me up to a four, right? And she's at a five. She's at a four as well. So that would be a tie, which means she is still going to knock us off. Get accomplish something of her goal, which are we going to get knocked off? Um, <laughs> you're still on your carpet, but it is uh, you. You are tumbling and um, not in great control of it. So, so that, that's not good. it's going to be a, we'll say a boost to, you stay on the carpet, um, but uh, I'd say maybe we we put in an, an aspect with an invoke of, like, out of control. Probably of a control. boost. A boost is probably more appropriate. So she would get in a, so she would get a boost yeah. against us when and, Mira goes. And you're not cleanly on your way. I don't know. I feel like we can handle, we can handle damage. Like, if we had gotten, like, shocked or something, oh. we can handle damage better than we can... I mean, it's our it's our escape route. We need to get. If we get knocked off, we are screwed. Yeah. I think we got to keep control of the vehicle. I think we got to. Okay, I will give another fate point to to give me a plus two, so I'm okay. at a six. So I'm out of fate points. Okay. Um. So. And I'm invoking. Wait, how many fate points did you get at the refresh, Aaron? Three. She spent one on spend? her magic. Oh, that's right. right yeah. the on the veil so to get we, us here. Yeah. Yeah. And then two on this. So I'm going to invoke um, Lady on a Mission. Okay. We have to stay in control. So you see as you, the two of you see as, as Eleanor takes over the steering, uh, staring, uh, staring with Alasha, you see her, uh, as she's whipping things around, trying to avoid the lightning blast her eyes are glowing her her fangs are out she is vamping out as she's trying to like push her limits through this maneuver the lightning bolt flares out and you bank to the left and the lightning bolt hits the underside of the uh carpet and it jolts you all upwards and it rocks you all hard but you're all hanging on and you keep, uh, and you keep moving, and uh, it it definitely rocked you, but you've kept you you've been able to keep it all going forward through sheer determination and shocking agility from Eleanor, balancing and steering the carpet. Uh, shocking. <laughs> also, in the moment, <laughs> in the back of your mind, Eleanor. 
you realize Darius is now coming close, closer, directly, and fast now. He's headed your way. Oh, no! I'm so, like a homing beacon. <laughs> okay. Um, so you fly, you all fly over Alashra. Um, Mira, would you like to do something? If we're up that high, especially if the lightning bolt kind of kicked us up in elevation, can I light the plaza ablaze on purpose this time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sure. So you see a bunch of, uh, it looks like a bunch of, there's probably at least a dozen armed people in the plaza. However, in order to hit something that would hit kind of a concentration of them, you have to blast the front of the the, the storefront, of Marta's storefront. Because that's the only place that there is a concentration of them. Mm. Well, that's because they think we're inside. What I'm hoping to do is cast enough of an explosion, not necessarily to, like, take out Oh, okay. Any number of the mob. I really just wanted to be like, look, we're over here! And then have them all gain, like, redirect their attentions away from the door. Oh. that Because we can handle the crowd. lightning bolt from their leader, I think, should be a pretty good indication where we are, which is to say not in Marta's shop. They are all starting. In the, the lightning bolt did definitely get some attention. Some of them are looking your way. A lot of them are still beating on the, the storefront. Yeah, I think we need to make a big show of force. It's not just like, oh, there's something going on. It's your target is outside now. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to pull my, uh, uh, I'm going to pull out the Staff of Summer Flame. And the the middle of the, the middle of the plaza is obviously a fountain of water. And so fire isn't going to do a whole lot of good, but it will, you know, ricochet off of the stone of the fountain and the ground, and so the flame will just kind of kind of go and flare out and spread everywhere. So hopefully it'll just make enough of a big show. So you're making a dramatic show. Yes, and if, you know, some cloaks or other items of clothing catch on fire, then, you know, that'll be a bit of a distraction. Okay. But idea being biggest showiest fireball I can to gain direct attention at us away from the door. So go ahead and give me a bold roll, but apply your fireball bonus to that instead of brutal. Okay. Um, so that is... Okay. Got it. Okay, my bold is two, my fireball bonus is plus two, yep. which is four, and that's, I got a one on the dice, so that's a five. Okay. Nice. Well done. All, so the fireball crashes into the fountain and goes, and steam and, and, uh, steam bursts up and the flames kind of, uh, uh, arc around the uh, around the, the contours of the fountain and it gets lots of attention and everyone uh, who was at the storefront is now focused on you and no longer beating on the storefront. So, awesome. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, 
as you're flying over the plaza, you have just barely reached kind of the second uh, story level. And you're flying over some bodies. Okay. Two vampires go down into a deep crouch and leap straight up into the air with unhuman prowess and are leaping up to try and grab hold of the carpet. This is not natural. For vampires or like for, now for we're hu- dealing with human, now yeah, the assumption is, that everybody's a vampire. This is obviously a super yeah, superhuman vampire jumping. Okay. Uh Okay, so who would like who would like to defend this? What are we defending with? Um depends on what you're doing. It's probably fast. I can do another box of thirsty Emma and have a plus three to fast. Well, yeah, so I'll 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 is defend against fast? this one. One. Your fast is one? Oh, it's two! Oh! <laughs> Devin! That I... Well, I guess the roll is in the past. Yeah, that sorry. That, that stuff was a ways in the past. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. damn it. Okay, <laughs> well, I have... That would give me a plus four to fast, so let's... Well, let's... so hold on, Aaron. Aaron, hold on. I have a plus three to fast, and I also have fate points is fair so maybe maybe let me take this one sure unless you really want to i I don't really have a great idea so if you have a great idea uh i mean really i think that so last turn eleanor was just trying to steer the carpet to evade i think that she would be doing the same thing just trying to get us out of dodge all right, well, I'll let y'all do the steering. What I would like to do is they're going to presumably um, jump up and try to grab the carpet Correct. on the edges. Yeah, the yeah. tassels probably. I, I would like to try and uh, and cut their hands off. <laughs> or at least poke them with a stiletto. I mean, like, use my knife. Sure, sure, sure. That we'll still consider that a fast defense. Okay. All right. All right, cool. They're rolling with a four. I have a four net. Four? Wow. They're amping up with their vampire blood just like Eleanor does. Wow. Uh, Beans, I've got a three. Okay, so kind and benevolent, wonderful giving and carrying gm i want to pitch i want to pitch this to you uh so i know i said i want to cut him with my knife and i kind of do but what about this instead uh could i use evasion uh to gain a plus two defending with fast where a dramatic dodge could help and here's what i propose a awesome sweet sort of like i grab the side of the carpet once they you know they grab on i grab the side of the carpet swing around and kick them both in the chest off the carpet now i know that evasion is supposed to be like a little more like 
getting out of a area of effect. So here's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. I'm willing to continue being dangling under the carpet. <laughs> it's tempting, right? Imagine what you could do with a kobold that's dangling underneath the carpet. <laughs> sure. Yeah! <laughs> sure. So, as they leap, uh, how about this? And not not the not so much the the kicking maneuver, but as they sure. leap up, you grab the edge of the carpet and yank backwards, and the whole thing does this big rolling tumble, nearly oh. tossing Eleanor and Mira off of it. Even better. Um, and it ends with you. You come out of the roll. They they miss because you guys pull this dramatic sideways barrel roll. And you come out of it with Yolok hanging off the edge of the carpet. The carpet is leaning perilously. <laughs> oh. And Eleanor is driving like, ah! What is happening? And Yolok is, Yolok is, is, uh, is dangling. Um. Lovely. Great. <laughs> Very nice. And the... <laughs> I'm just imagining him, like, flapping in the wind. Like, because <laughs> we've got a good bit of speed now, right? And it's just <laughs> a little kobold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. So Alashra has blasted a lightning bolt at you. Several vampires have leapt trying to grab hold of you. You're uh, because of the maneuvers, you're not gaining a whole lot of out in any additional altitude at this point, and you're flying around the plaza. You've avoided those attacks, and Eleanor, you see coming right towards you a bat oh you also see rising up behind you alashra being carried by big winds as her stat her rod is like glowing and she's floating she looks like freaking storm out of the x-men whipping in the wind so she's behind us. Yes. And we see the bat in front of us. Yes. The bat whooshes past you. Mid-air <laughs> transforms into the body of Darius. And he tackles Alashra <gasps> mid-air and takes her down to the ground. What? I don't know what to do with this. Well, what? all of you are quite shocked by this, and because of that, you are not as prepared for the <laughs> next round of vampires jumping up to grab you. Oh! That was going to be my next question, is with Alashra down, what does the mob do to us? Darius tackles Alashra down to the ground and starts physically pounding. The crew of vampires all start running towards their mistress. Can I be compelled? For venom in my veins, can I get a fate point? Not venom in your veins, 
the Vampire Queen. Mmm, yeah. Remember? Oh, I thought I got to get rid of it. You said get rid of all of my consequences at the beginning of the session. So I got rid of, that was a moderate consequence. Does that go away with the refresh, um, or is it still there? No, because you haven't been able to do anything to recover it. That uh, takes a recovery. Once you recover, moderate actually, consequences, you you're have to, exhausted. Like, actively heal. But yes, yeah, I absolutely. Have, I should have mentioned that on the opening. We told, yep, yeah, we totally Oops. forgot that. But yes. Well, I will compel your vampire queen fate point that uh, as you are, as as uh, you're flying away, you feel that tug, that magnetic pull to go help him. Okay. Fake point. Am I going to have to punch her again? <laughs> I... <laughs> so... So as we're steering and we see we see the bat, we see Alashra, we see the bat whiz past us, we see mid-air transformation go down, we're all just in shock. We've got the kobold hanging on, flapping in the wind, and we're just watching this scene unfold. Eleanor doesn't even really feel what she's doing, but since she's driving the carpet, mm -hmm. she's just sort of like watching the scene mm -hmm. as she starts to drive the carpet towards the scene. Bank around. Yeah. Yolak is hanging on the carpet, realizing that you're turning back towards the action. What are you doing, Eleanor? I... Oh no, she's going back into her... <laughs> her, like, tr a trance-like state, almost. Oh. So she hears Yolak. Yeah. But she doesn't really... He was not... Yolak was not with her during that whole scene where he, he hasn't quite seen this Oh, that's effect. right. <gasps> yeah. But I'm sure no, but, Mira... But Mira absolutely does. No, no. The second she feels the the carpet steering in the, in the change direction, she instantly looks at Eleanor with the exact same thought of what are you doing and kind of sees the glaze go over her <laughs> eyes and, and knows exactly what saw the bat, saw Eleanor's reaction, felt the reroute and is going absolutely not. And so the first thing she does is just sort of put the carpet's not that big. I can put my hand on her hand. And so oh, yeah. like I, so Mira reaches over and puts her hand on her steering hand and kind of tries to overcorrect and to keep our original course. Uh, Mira, uh, El Eleanor is going to um, counter and uh, try to sh shake off your hand. Or so you're fighting for control of the yes. steering, basically. Yes. Okay. Eleanor, we we can't do this now. We have to get out. I don't know why he's just defended us against Alashra, but but right at this moment, our whole concern was staying out of his crosshairs, and right now he's he's distracted with something that's for once to our advantage. Let's get out of here. Mira, he saved us. Yes, let's go. He's taking care of the problem for us. Let's thank him later. He's, yo, he's so nice. You're so right. You've been right this whole time. What a good guy he is. Let's get out of here. We'll go back and we'll bring him a fruitcake later. Let's go. 
Mira, am I appealing to her vampire queen sensibility at all that I cannot just like I'm talking I'm trying to go like I'm trying to steer into the skin like does that work on her at all uh no Mira sorry Eleanor sees him he's in trouble he saved us we're, we're going so at this point Alashra has kicked him back and the whole big mob of dudes is like piling onto him. <gasps> I jump. <gasps> Can I have a fate point? If I jump into it? You took both my fate points. Uh, hold on. We pay fate points here. I just didn't think it was fair to get railroaded when you had paid your fate points. True. You had paid the blood price. It's true. I'm still going to jump into the vampires. Okay. Cool. So. Uh... All right. So, Eleanor leaps into a, a, a wild melee of of dudes and uh tell us how you take down the first one i mean how high are we like how far away from, uh, are we presume uh would easy to say you were steering out you probably jumped down like 10 feet 15 i'm feet. gonna land on one. Oh, nice okay i'm gonna land on one and i'm gonna start to use my thirsty okay so, and I think I, I mean, if he's down there, I'm just gonna start trying to like grab them and throw yeah. them off. I don't think that she's like, I'm going to kill you. It's more yeah. of just like need to get to Darius. Mm -hmm. Is she using her whip? Is she using her hands? I think Is she's she just using, using her hands. Okay. Like, like it's it's that brute, that vis visceral, yeah, like brute force, like because she is using thirsty, mm -hmm. she, like her fangs are out. I'm assuming she's like claws, like mm -hmm. it's it's very feral. Okay, um, go ahead and uh, give me a brutal roll with your thirsty bonus added to it. Six. Oh, okay. So you you carve a path through a big chunk of of dudes tossing them aside and uh absolutely um smashing one uh so you're striding forward and now um another is going to leap on your back how are you going to get rid of him i think a kobold's gonna come save me <laughs> <laughs> oh the face talk about making assumptions We'll come back to that in a we'll come back okay. to that in a moment. Speaking of the kobold <laughs> on the carpet, so um Yolok, you can you can scramble your way up onto the carpet, maybe with a hand from from Mira as she takes control of the steering. And so the two of you are up on the carpet and you see Eleanor leap into the fray and absolutely start kicking butt through the way through the group of uh of vampires. Making Tell her way towards Darius. Have me do, mistress. <sighs> For Mira, who does not kill, she definitely has handed the keys to a whole lot of people's mortality <laughs> and expected to make decisions unilaterally. Um, 
We have to save her, Yolak, but I'm not telling you to jump if that's something you don't want to do. How would you get out of this situation? How do we get her out and get the rest of us to safety? <laughs> Red okay, faces think, tonight I think, are just fun. <laughs> I think the way, okay, go with me on this. I'm not telling you to jump. I'm giving you a lifeline. And I reach into my satchel and I, um, I get a piece of twine that is at sort of, I enchant it. So it's at basically an infinite length. And so it does, it can be as long as it needs to be. And it can sort of grow in an instant. And <laughs> I'm going to face. lash Yolak around the waist. So he's going to act as a, this is my plan. If you object, you're welcome I mean, to speak we're this. Her Mary Poppins bag of plants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want I want to be able to retract him, right? I want him to be a cobalt claw machine to <laughs> jump into the fray, <laughs> grab Eleanor, and yank her back up so we can leave. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't, I, I I'm not. Uh, this is not computing. I'm 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 having a real hard time with this plan. I, so I meant, okay, what I'm thinking is Yolak has a tendency to dive blindly into trouble after either one of us, right? And so Eleanor swan diving off of the carpet into a fight, the thought I'm sure has crossed his mind to just jump in after her. But there's no exit strategy to that. So I want a way to get them both back on the carpet. You should unsheathe the void dagger. <gasps> Do it! Okay. <laughs> With hmm. the claw machine. The claw machine. <laughs> the void dagger of death. It's going to take me a minute to open that dagger's, like, yeah. interest. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, okay. That's kind of the thing. I won't be able to do everything like everything on that shopping list. Correct. How, um, so we sealed it in, like, a sap kind of thing. Uh. Could I, could I cut it out? I mean, I can, I can get it out, but like, that would probably be the only thing I could do is I could like, mm -hmm. basically like deconstruct the resin and like soften it enough that you could utilize it. What else, what else needs to happen? You need to jump. <laughs> like, I ideally, I would like to... Ideally, what I would like to do is attach you physically to the carpet or me or whatever. So I could just do a regular rope. I don't need to do an enchanted retractable bungee cord. I could just like, okay, here's a rope. It doesn't require a roll. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, that swashbuckling, was swashbuckling fun. Just hang on to the rope. All right. Yolak, I think we need to use all the weapons we have at our disposal. And I knowingly ask for a handout. I have my handout asking him to hand me the dagger encasement. So, uh, sorry, Mira, what are you? So I guess I don't think I don't ask my handout like I'm going to give it to me, but like I, I gesture forward toward him and I lock eyes. I look at the dagger on his person to say like, it's time to let out the big guns, and I'm ready yeah. to unsheathe it. He nods, yeah. So, 
I put my hand on the resin and basically like reverse the spell yep. and it like retracts away and it is now fully utilized. Or while it is at your doing that, I am steering the carpet. Cool. I just want to be there is a driver. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna do anything to you with that. All right, so Yolok. So when dagger. I when I pull my hand away, I give him the other. I I reach in and I I pull my hand away, and then I hand him the rope. So it's like, okay, I just unsheath your weapon, and you have a rope. Go. I swashbuckle swing off the carpet. Swashbuckle swing off the carpet. I guess. Uh... <laughs> He's like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> so I was jumping head first into a vampire fight. Yeah, yeah. I was compelled. Um, and thusly are your friends compelled to save you. Exactly. That's I true. Don't know, like, I don't know what I can... I don't know how I can get... No, okay, that's not true. I know what I'm going to do. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. So you go swinging off the carpet, and you're uh, dang- from the rope, and you're swinging in this wide arc. So here's what you see. Eleanor... Punching and kicking and clawing and throwing her way through the crowd of vampires. Um, you see Darius trying to fight off like a handful face to face. And, um, you see Alashra standing herself back up from the ground behind him looking super like ragged and, uh, and quite wrecked, but she stands herself back up and she's pointing the lightning bolt uh or pointing her rod at Darius's back. Brendan. Yolok can help Eleanor fight uh help Darius attack Darius or attack Alashra. Your swinging arc you could fly your you could leap your way towards any of them. Where are you taking the dagger? Oh man, okay. Um so Eleanor is called to Darius, right? Yep. She is fighting her way to him. The connection between Eleanor and Darius is while you have not uh, a whole lot of understanding. But I, but I get it's, like, probably not healthy, but, yeah. like, but it is what it is. Yeah. She is drawn to him. And my command from Mira was what, precisely? To save her. Okay. Uh, I do a, as I, I, uh, I pump my little cobalt legs as hard as I can. And release at the very top of the arc. Yep. And whoosh. Dive all the way towards Alashra. <gasps> Cobalt dagger missile. <laughs> you fly. Oh, Darius sees you coming and his eyes widen. <laughs> and he then realizes that you're not aiming at him and watches as you sail. Over his shoulder, dagger first towards Alashra and her power and her crackling rod. 
that's about to shoot him with a lightning bolt. All right. Go ahead and uh, roll your fast against a difficulty of three. If he kills Alashra, he's going to have both Mishkeda and Alashra in his head. <laughs> and also, they're going to be uh, hanging out together in the oh, in the noise. All right. Uh, with fast, here we go. <laughs> we got three pluses, baby. Oh, dear. We got three pluses on the dice. So that is a fast of three, uh, three on the dice. So that is a six uh, plus a one for uh, attack with fast. So that is a seven. Yeah, she does not see this coming at all. So the dagger hums with that deep void energy. And as you are diving towards her, Yolok feels the dagger like drawing forward hungrily. And he just rides behind it like the sh- like the shaft of an arrow behind the head, and crashes into Alashra, and the two of you slam down hard into the ground. She hits the, her her back, crashes onto the ground, and you are sitting right on top of her, your knees straddling her, and the dagger is plunged right into her heart all the way to the hilt and unlike when you killed Meshkenet because there was so much going on you get a clear moment of what happens here her uh, she gasps and a thin silvery energy pulses in her eyes and in the wound and then everything sucks from her head to her toe. Uh, everything sucks its way into the dagger. And you see that thin silvery light absorbed into the, the darkness that is the blade. And in your head, you hear a scream falling away as if she's falling through an, a deep well and the voice disappears in the void and Alasha lays still. 